Vox Quick Hits. What you're about to hear is just a preview of a much longer and deeper conversation. And trust me, you're going to want to hear the rest of it. You can find the full episode at Vox Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts. Just search for Vox Conversations. We got Vox's Sean Illing, one of the illest Seans at Vox, talking with Heather McGee, author of The Sum of Us, about the costs of racism in America for everyone. They talk about what we lose when we buy into the zero-sum paradigm that progress for some people has to come at the expense of others and why the left needs to reframe the country's race problem and persuade the other side with a more compelling story. Here's Sean Elling. Heather, can you start by just telling me a little bit about your journey of writing this book and how you came to it? One of the first stops on my book journey to write The Sum of Us was Montgomery, Alabama, which is one of many places where there is a beautiful central park in the city. And I walked the grounds, this big, wide, flat expanse, that used to have one of the nearly 2,000 publicly funded grand resort-style swimming pools in America. And this was something that was a big feature of American life under the New Deal in the 1930s and 40s and 50s. It was just one of the many examples of a commitment to the public good by our government that was really supported by white public opinion at the time. But like so much of the New Deal, so much of that public commitment to public goods, there was an asterisk. And public pools in many parts of the country were segregated or for whites only. Certainly this one in Montgomery, Alabama was. And so in the 1950s and 60s, when Black families began to win court cases saying, hey, those are our tax dollars too. Our families should be able to swim too. Instead of integrating the pools, many cities across the country drained their public pools rather than integrate them. That's what happened in Montgomery, Alabama. In fact, they drained the pool, filled it with dirt, closed the Oak Park, the park where I was walking, sold off the animals in the zoo, shut down the entire Parks and Recreation Department of the city, and kept it closed for a decade. They were almost to 1970 before the good people of Montgomery, Alabama even got to enjoy a public park again, all because of racism. And to me, that's such an example of the zero-sum thinking, creating costs for everyone, turning what was a public good into a private luxury, expressing the limits of white support for public goods once those public goods were extended and available to people that they did not perceive to be good, that they had been taught for generations to disdain and distrust. And in many ways, that's what's happened to our entire economy as the majority of white voters went from supporting a job guarantee and a minimum income in the country in the late 50s and early 60s to that support cratering in half once the civil rights movement made clear that those kinds of economic guarantees would go to black people as well. It really does feel like the most self-destructive political tantrum in the history of tantrums and politics. It is. It's crazy. But throughout the book, I really try to put myself in the shoes of people who might, because of the stories they've been told, because of what they believe, fit that into their moral understanding. And the more you do that, the more you recognize that 
And in many ways, we're still there. Those beliefs about the inherent goodness or deservingness of people at the bottom of the economic ladder are still pretty stubborn. And they're reflected in the majority of white people's opinions about what, for example, a minimum wage worker should be paid or who should pay taxes or, you know, what kinds of floors we should have under the human misery of our fellow American. Yeah, it's a good point. Given what those people believed, given the stories they were told, the actions they took, however you know, insane they look from our, our 21st century perch, were perfectly rational. And mm-hmm. that really is maybe the most regrettable part of it. Mm-hmm. Your book opens with a depressing but very familiar question, which is why can't we have nice things? What nice things can't we have, or at least not yet? Yeah, I I don't actually mean like self-driving cars, which I don't actually think we need, (laughs) or, you know, laundry that does itself, which would be really wonderful, I'm learning um, as a new mom. But I mean things like really, truly universal affordable health care or world-class or even just reliable modern infrastructure. I mean a public health system to tackle pandemics with efficiency and skill. Um, I mean, a well-funded school in every neighborhood. I mean, you know, a representative functioning democracy that allows, you know, majoritarian views on big public questions to prevail and not get stymied in arcane Senate rules. Um, You know, these are the kinds of things that a wealthy, modern government should be able to provide for its people. And they are the types of things that this country has really failed to deliver on for all of my lifetime and certainly for the past few generations. We want to know what you think of Vox Conversations. Please don't hesitate to get in touch with ideas of future guests or even future hosts or just things you think you'd like to hear on the show. If you want to get in touch, send us an email, voxconversations at vox.com. Or if you want to rate and review the show wherever you listen, go ahead and do that. That always helps. Thanks for listening. More soon.